Hey everyone, today's episode of Product Explained is brought to you by Exponent. Interested in pursuing a career in tech? Exponent can help you with coaching, courses, and community for aspiring young professionals. Check out Exponent today at www.tryexponent.com. Hey everyone, welcome to our show, Product Explained, where we like to think about products, companies, and how we like to wrap our head around them as product managers. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee, and with me today is... Mike Alcazarin. Excited to talk about this one, Jeff. Yeah, this one's a great one. So, Mike, I have a question for you. It's a it's a hypothetical. How much would you pay to squeeze a bag of fruit juice or vegetable pulp? At least three to $400. At least three to $400, people. And that's how you know that Mike is a product manager in the tech industry. Today's show, we're focusing on uh, one of the biggest uh, hardware failures probably in the last five years. You know, we like to talk about some of the successes, but um, it's also good to look back and laugh at how ridiculous the tech industry can be, especially if you're not from the tech industry. In today's episode, we're talking about Juicero. Um, What is Juicero? Mike, if you can give us a brief introduction to the listeners at home. Yeah, so Juicero is when science goes too far. (laughs) Instead of asking if we could... You should have asked, should we do this? So uh, what Juicero was making was a Wi-Fi connected juicer that squeezed single serving packets of pre-juiced fruits and they sold this by subscription. Uh, so the, the juice packets cost about $7 each. Very similar to Keurig where you bought a physical device and then you got a little pod that you could put into this machine and it would uh, make juice for you. I think, you know, on the surface, it doesn't sound that ridiculous, right? Like, you know, if you're kind of a health conscious person and there's been a lot of fads in the past 10 years, juicing was obviously a really big fad. Um, keto is, you know, really popular right now. I think there's a lot of diet fads out there. Um, the reason why Keurig was really successful is because coffee is forever. And I think everybody kind of drinks it no matter, most people drink it, no matter what your diet is for the, for the most part. So I, I think, you know, on the surface, it doesn't sound that bad, but I want to kind of dig into the history of the product and we can talk a little bit more about why it kind of flopped and and it flopped so dramatically. It was incredible. Definitely. <laughs> so um, the company was founded in 2013 by Doug Evans, and they raised over $120 million in VC funds before um, starting to ship units. I think what's really important to note is that that's uh, pretty young for a tech company. You know, seven years isn't that long. I, I know people like to talk about unicorns and startups, but I think seven years is still pretty young for a company um, to have raised that much money. So people saw the potential in it. And I think people were just getting kind of in over their heads in terms of, um, Internet of Things, IoT, um, and you know, connecting things from physical devices to internet devices. I think people just got a little overexcited in this case, and it goes plus the subscriptions. Yeah, plus the know? subscriptions. Like, it's like every, I you know, Mike is uh, an MBA guy, so if I feel like it's like every case study wrapped into one. <laughs> in this case yeah. of businesses, um, so this product, as Mike was m- mentioning, is just a juicer, uh, and they juice pre pulped, pre-squeezed vegetable and fruit juices. Originally, it was priced at $699, so $700 for a juicer. Um, And that was priced in 2016, but they had a change of heart uh, and they decided to reduce the price uh, to $399, still pretty pricey in, in 2017. But that's when things kind of went south. Bloomberg News actually came out with an article in 2017, kind of doing a review about this cutting edge juicer, this Wi-Fi connected juicer that could scratch your back and order food for you and be your nanny. Um, <laughs> and they they found out that the packets themselves could be squeezed by hand 
And the amount of juice that you got uh, by squeezing by hand was actually about as much juice as it was squeezing with this $400 juicer. It asked the question, well, why can't I just order the 5 to $7 packets of juice instead? And call it a day. <laughs> and call it totally. a day. Yeah. So what's funny is that um, I think what made it worse is that Juicero actually started to backpedal. And they were saying, well, you know, mm-hmm. if you squeeze it yourself, it's going to cause quote, undo mess and promote a poor user experience. So you're paying, you know, $400 to $700 so that you don't have to get any juice on your hands. Seems about right. It does. Um, Yeah. And so critics said that this device was overly complicated um, and was basically due to a lack of cost constraints. It's kind of an infamous case in product management where leadership tells you to build something and the product managers don't know how to say no. <laughs> and then uh and then all of a sudden you kind of created Frankenstein's monster, I think. Um I do have to say though, it's like it's it's a beautiful machine and like we're both mechanical engineers and having that uh you know type of background, just loving hardware and it, it's beautiful, like inside and out. Like I've seen teardowns of it and you know, it's just beautiful from that like machining aspect. But yeah, like you said, like it was over engineered, right. just tons of cost built into it from just machining up parts that you didn't need to machine and, and yeah, just driving up costs there because you couldn't say no. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I like that you mentioned that it's beautiful, but it's like unnecessary. So something that came to mind was um, this place where Mike and I used to work. They had this uh, Manhattan making machine or old fashioned making machine. Do you remember which one it was? Uh, but essentially you would pour um, your ingredients for old fashioned. You turn this crank. Uh, and it would start mixing stuff, and then you know eventually it would all. It was kind of like a Rube Goldberg of um, what's what's the, what's the term called uh, mixology, and then eventually you know it would do all this stuff, and it'd shake some stuff, and add all the components, and it would pour out into this cup at the end, which is cool. But you kind of ask yourself why when I could have just totally. done it myself by hand, um, and and yeah, so there were plenty of critics, and you know what boggles my mind is that. You don't think they would have at some point thought, yeah, people might just try to squeeze this thing on its own and they would find totally. out, right? I think there's always this kind of idea of like in tech about, you know, because there's a lot of non-technical people. A lot of the consumers aren't technical people. They don't always ask what's under the hood. Um, yep. It just kind of works. And so they, they're like, okay, it works. It's fine. But in this case, like, I feel like, you know, anybody would, oh, it's a $5 pack of stuff. Maybe I'll just see what, you know, I, I'm curious. I just want to see what's inside the bag, Right. You don't think like they didn't think that anybody would crack it open and try to squeeze out juice on their own and see how much they got. If Bloomberg didn't do it, it would have come out one way or the other. Right. Like that's my opinion. And I'm surprised it never came up in like in in an edge case study of just like, hey, like what happens if someone actually does this and accidentally, you know, squeezes it or or something like that or even just in shipping it gets squeezed like what like what happens in that so i know that i'm very surprised it's it's crazy i think part of the show and part of what's great about our show product explained is that um we are really keen on not only doing really cool tech products but doing failures that kind of fall on their face Uh, and juicero is certainly one of the ones that came to mind and that's why we really wanted to present this show to you um, and talk about it but um going back to a kind of the history of the product um you know people that are more qualified than than us or the layman uh, actually broke into the machine and broke it down and and they found out that the cost of the components was over a thousand dollars to make that machine a juice squeezing machine that you could actually just do just as well by squeezing it with your hand um part of product strategy is it's not uncommon to sell the printer you know it's the kind of the printer um ink strategy or the cartridge you know the gillette cartridge 
a shaving cartridge strategy where you kind of sell the machine at a loss, but then you sell the materials or the components, uh, and in this case, the subscription, and you make back your money that way. You know, I think um, gaming companies do that. You buy the console. Totally. They, they lose money on the console, but they make back money on the on the software and, and the games. But, you know, $1,000 is pretty big overhead. If it costs them $1,000 without work, focusing on anything else, like paying people to ship it or people to produce <laughs> it or whatever, just cost the materials $1,000 and they're selling it for $400. That's a six hundred dollar loss, and then they are charging. What would you say, thirty five dollars a week for a subscription? Yeah, thirty five dollars a week. So, so. If we crunch that number. Uh, I mean, that's what they need to make back ten weeks worth of subscription, and that's not even what they make profit on that. Granted, they probably make a lot of money in those bags of juice, but they're basically totally. banking on them to subscribe for over a, cu- a couple months, right, to make their money back. Maybe even longer. I mean, considering if it's like all the overhead for for people, so yeah, maybe it's just one of those like venture capital, like, hey, we're just gonna have massive growth, right? And that's that's what we'll we'll, we'll be profitable later. Yeah. We'll figure it out. And I actually crunched my numbers wrong. It's actually twenty weeks, so I guess twenty weeks would amount up to about seven hundred dollars. They ate six hundred dollars here, so we'll call it a wash somewhere in that range. But yeah, like it's just crazy. Like they're basically hoping that these people are gonna stick around for four or five months um, to make their money back, and on an unproven type of product and. It's, it blows my mind that they were able to secure $120 million in revenue. What's funny is that one of the investors is Alphabet. You know, Alphabet was actually one of the investors. So it's not like they had swindled some VCs on some money here. Uh, some pretty well-established companies were coming in saying, yeah, I think we could probably make some money off of this. And it seems like it's um, in vogue and uh, you know, people would pay money. I will say 5 to $7 for a, a pack of juice isn't that bad. You pay double for that at like a really nice like local shop, you know? Yeah, like yeah. 10, like a, like a boutique shop, you'd probably pay, yeah, like 10 bucks for wheatgrass or whatever. And I'm not into all that. But um, I think if you go to a, a Jamba Juice or whatever, maybe it's like six or seven bucks um, for a thing of juice. It's really, you don't save that much money. I don't know how, they can argue that it's maybe higher quality. I think something that is interesting to mention as well is that these bags of juice were also meant to only last... I don't know if you mentioned it, but only last about a week. Um, so they can kind of argue that, oh, this makes sure that the juice is fresh and the, that the minerals are of quality and stuff like that. But I mean, still, I can't imagine myself buying a $400 juicer um, and trying to pay for the subscription. I mean, even Keurig has no name brand pods that'll come in and kind of swoop some of that, some of that income back up. Um, totally. So, I mean, I can't imagine that if this had gone out to market, that other people wouldn't do the same. Oh, I think that's where you have to look at the, uh, like, who, who Juicero was for. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that they were really going after, you know, the upper end of the market, like the the people that are totally bought into juicing and totally high income earners and just health conscious people that want, like, the best of the best. Right, and the money is um, not an issue or... Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I think that, you know, you, they were able to get venture capitalists like Alphabet, massive companies to, to fund this. Who were, I'm sure they, they ran the numbers and said, hey, X millions of dollars are being spent on juices. We could tap into this. And then, you know, maybe uh, I'm just trying to think about where they were coming from. Maybe, you know, we start with a Tesla hardware model where we start with a super high end model. Yeah. And then we come in at lower end models. Yeah, so maybe that, maybe that was the future. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, though, right, even with the Tesla thing, you know, you have market benefit and that Tesla high end model over 
the baseline and the baseline here was squeezing the bag <laughs> and so like you know when you get a team of engineers that put together this beautiful thing that ends up being in some ways a paperweight uh that just blows my mind like what went wrong and you know i think a lot of the times i can kind of chalk it up to leadership or culture it makes you wonder at juicero where they're having trouble saying no uh and is that yeah. part of the reason why um it got to this point, you know, oh, I'm a hardware engineer at Juicero. I'm getting paid decent money. I don't think we need to make something this complicated, but, you know, leadership wants it and they pay the bills and I'm compensated well here. So I'm not going to say no. I think too for hardware, it's like in today's day and age, like really cool, interesting hardware products are like right, few and far right, in between. Yeah. So getting a bunch of hardware engineers to say, hey, make this and like don't give them any constraints. Or yeah, like, totally. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. make machine like machine quarters and I'm going to like do as much engineering as I can right, on this product. Right. We talked about how it came to be and we talked about, um, you know, some of the people that might be interested. I think it's also interesting to talk about, well, what market were they trying to break into? You know, what are some of the competitors in that space? I think some of the competitors, I mean, it's really just the first one is just like in the jobs to be done framework. It's like the job to be done is I need juice. Yeah. So the typical person that wants their homemade juice has got to buy a cold pressed juicer or they have to get all their vegetables from their local place and then put them in the blender. And that's super messy. You know, like right. you have this mess, you have a ton of vegetables, you got a, th- a ton of waste from that. So if I have a bag that I don't need to think about, it's it's easy. Um, I, I also think that they're going after those local boutique shops that you're paying, you know, $10, $12, $14 for, the, you know, eight ounces of pureed um, veggies. I think that's really where the the competition was, you know, in in looking at the the dynamics there, you know. I don't know if it was necessarily going after like the smoothie kings, you know, <laughs> where it's more like sugary right. drinks, but um yeah, those like natural like healthy food companies. Still it boggles my mind cuz it's not at a price point where I feel like I don't know how much juice it, it produced, but I feel like it's not quite at a price point where I'd feel like, "Oh yeah, 7 bucks for a bag, uh I'll do that instead of just stopping by the juice store and getting it." Well, if it came to your door and you didn't have to think about it, you'd probably buy more of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I get there is I think a, it's a stickiness factor. Yeah, there is a convenience factor. But like, is it that much more convenient is the question. I mean, maybe it is because, you know, you look at Keurig and they're obviously wildly successful. And um, like another pod coffee is certainly um, something you know, along the same lines. And, it, and it's very, very successful. And those people can say, you know, well, you can get coffee here. But still, Nespresso is one in a more comparable price range, and two um, higher end market, higher totally. end market, and their price is really affordable. I mean, what do they say? Like a, a pot of coffee from them is like fifty cents or forty cents or something. I mean, it's way cheaper than than Starbucks. So there is a clear value proposition for why you would go with a Keurig versus going with Starbucks. But like, I'm still having trouble figuring out like why I would care to buy something for juice. I mean, unless they, you know, unless they said like our stuff is really really high quality. Um, it comes from all these people and yeah, to find this stuff, you'd have to go to a very nice boutique grocery store and pick out stuff and we do it for you. Okay. Like then I start to see a little bit more of why, um, and they still have to beat the local boutique shops though. And, you know, they know that the boutique shops are going to be doing all that stuff already. And it's kind of baked into the price. Are they beating that price point? Um, and I still don't see that they're beating it that much. I mean, maybe. I guess it may be $15 for juice in downtown SF. But, um, well, especially with that $400 <laughs> upfront price point, yeah. it's kind of difficult to overcome. Exactly. Um, but I, I'm just thinking out loud here, maybe a, an interesting pivot for them could have been to go after, um, if the hardware failed, just sell the juice packets. Yeah. So you know? that's the thing. Like, that's what the whole time I was thinking, why didn't they just sell? 
the juice packets. Like it seemed like um, we'll just become a juice company. <laughs> yeah, just become a meme and, and have a, people squeezing juices. It's, like, it's like it's like I you know we we get you know Mike and I are obviously in tech. We get that tech is um, kind of an exciting place to be for a lot of companies. But at the end of the day, like you don't have to necessarily be in tech to make a lot of money and have a really viable product. Um, and we'll obviously talk about a lot of other companies that are similar to this. One that comes to mind is WeWork. They have a lot of other problems other than the fact that they had some pretty toxic leadership. But I will say that part of it was that they came off as a tech company, but all they really were were a retail space <laughs> rental company. And they kind of had the tech vibe, right? And so I think there's it, kind of this infatuation with being a tech company in today's day and age. That doesn't really make sense for everybody, um, but and in this case, I think uh, you know they could have just been a juice company, like a juice OEM or provider, and they could have made yeah. made a ton of money. I mean, they could like maybe there's an opportunity at some point for a uh, like a butcher box or something like that. And so instead of shipping meats to everyone every month, you get a, a package of juices every every month. So I think I think there's something there. I think right. they were right with the value, and I think they wouldn't have gotten 120 million in VC if they weren't able to at least prove something along the points. Yeah. Prove something. But I think the uh, the execution was definitely wanting. So Jeff, what do you think about for the, uh, your, your five-star review? Yeah. So in this case, like I am going to have to give Juicero, like I'm going to give it a two and I still feel like that might be a little too high. Um, I, I see there's a lot of value in it, right? So if you go along the thought lines of if we were to sell subscription X um, and we look at parallel markets like coffee and they're doing really well and we can mark up juice and we, we have a very niche um, user base where people that are health conscious. Like, I mean, a lot of those things check off, you know, when you're talking about coming up with an idea. Um, where it falls flat for me is their execution, right? I think that they didn't need to come up with a thousand dollar juice presser in this case. Um, I think the the beauty of it would have been if they had come up with even even a hundred dollar juice presser. That was something mechanical, mm-hmm. like you just clamped it down and it just did it in one fell swoop or something like that, or you twisted some knob and it tightened around the bag and it would would have cleaned it up really easily. I think like simple but elegant you know, people will spend money on it and even a hundred dollars you can mark up on it and then make a lot more money on the subscription. I, I think of simple human as an example, right? They don't do anything novel. Um, but what they do is really high quality and they do it really well. Like I literally have a simple human trash can and it's literally just a trash can. It's a step trash can. You can get step trash cans all over the place, but people tend to buy simple human because like they did the little things right and they'll spend up on it. So um, simple human kind of has a similar subscription model where you can buy their trash bags, but I buy them separately. I just buy regular trash bags and I don't really care about <laughs> totally. it. Yeah, so, but you know, similarly, you know, there are people that see the value in it and that's where Juicero really falls flat for me. I don't think it needed to be Wi-Fi connected. I don't think it, they needed to spend, you know, a thousand dollars in parts and try to make that back up in this, in this juice model. I think, I think there was, you know, some sort of lack of leadership or strategic vision and that they really looked too far ahead and tried to really revolutionize something that didn't need tech injected into it. So I'm going to give it like a two and a half. Um, I think it could have been a couple of tweaks and it could have been really, really good. Obviously, um, not a really, really big fan of the um, of the product. And, you know, it was kind of a meme in the tech industry for a few years. <laughs> Definitely. And to sum up, I agree with you on all the points and my ratings closer to, to two. I think that this is a prime example of not shipping an MVP. They just tried to make the the finished product and it could have been much more iterative yeah. and worked out the kinks along the way instead of having a 
after you spend $120 million of venture capital money and having a Bloomberg article of someone squeezing a juice. Yeah, just wrecked <laughs> by a, Imagine your product just wrecked by a beat writer. Like, <laughs> that's, this is so, it's hilarious and terrible at the same time. Well, those are our thoughts on Juicero. Uh, we'd love to hear from the audience on what you think about Juicero. Yeah, and if you like the show, um, we'd love it if you subscribe on your favorite media platforms, whether you guys are listening to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Um, as always, if there's any other products or companies that you'd love for us to review, let us know, and we'd love to do that. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.